while you're turning in your Bibles, and we're headed over to the book of Romans, book of Romans chapter 14. And if somebody in the back has some extra notes, they will move through the auditorium and just raise your hand if uh, you need some of these notes. But <coughs> just to get our cold brains working this morning, here we go, just some silly stuff. Venus is the only planet that rotates clockwise. Isn't it amazing? All the planets go one direction except for Venus. How does that work in evolution? Can't figure that one out. The most played song on American radio in the 20th century was You've Lost That Loving Feeling. It is true. And if you add together all the times that it was played throughout the nation on the radio, if you just put it on one station, 45 years that they played it back to back to back to back to back. The majority of dust in your homes is actually your skin. That is true. You here too, so take your skin with you. It's dusty in here at times. The phrase, often a bridesmaid but never a bride, was popularized by a deodorant company in 1925. That's not true. It's not true. It was actually Listerine mouthwash did it. <laughs> so, same thing but different. Here's one. WD and WD-40 stands for Wonder Drop. You sure? You sure? It's false. It stands for water displacer. So <laughs> it's pretty close to it. Asia is the continent with the most countries. It's not true. It's not true. Okay. Uh, there's, there's the listing. They're the third most as far as the countries that they have. Spinach has ten times more iron than most vegetables. Thus it is really good for muscles. Popeye knows it, right? Actually, it's not true. What happened, which, which what happened historically, and then it triggered some of the Popeye stuff, was that when they produced a report about the iron in spinach, somebody moved the decimal point accidentally. And it got research, and then all of a sudden it started this popular myth, and Popeye comes along. So um, when we started our church in 1979, our first choice of names had Lebanon in it, but it was voted down by the body. You don't know? What's that? Well, actually, it's true and false. Okay, mostly false. When we were uh, when we were deciding on a name in '79, in that September, we were debating. We wanted to put Lebanon in it because we wanted to identify with the community. But there's several churches in town that have Lebanon in their title. And so we thought it would be too confusing. We were confused by some of the different Lebanon titles that were going on. So then we chose the name. Yeah, and by the way, the church never even got to vote on this. This was just discussion. And so when we made a motion to the church, here's what we were going to call ourselves, we called ourselves Faith. The reason we took that name was we felt that the congregation of 18 people at that time had been through an awful lot. The church had been another church that had reached into the 200s, and then it had really gone down in about a five-year period. There was three pastors that worked very hard to get it down to 18, and uh, those people, it was voted upon that they should dissolve the church, but those people voted against it and said, we're going to keep it going, and they kept it going for several months. And so we said, you know, they operated by faith. And so that was basically where we came up with the name of the church that we would call ourselves Faith Baptist Church to describe the 
the people within the body, how they were operating, living for the Lord. When revival struck, the Jews in Nehemiah's day, the, the, when the revival struck the Jews in Nehemiah's day, the Jews started to practice standing whenever the Bible was read publicly. There are times where churches do this. Whenever it's the scripture reading, people stand. Okay? Um, and they base it on this Nehemiah passage. Is it true? It's partially true. Okay, it's another true. True and false. Did they stand when they read the scripture? Yeah, the people did stand. But there's more to it. Okay? Um, they also bowed to the ground and they knelt down. And then they stood through the entire sermons. And it says that they stood for the one sermon was one quarter part of the day. You thought, I preached long. Okay. So uh, the, only re- the only reason that I, I want you to just be aware of that is sometimes people will say, well, it's biblical that we stand when Scripture is being read. You're not fine. Well, if we're going to use that passage as our text, then what we should do is kneel down sometimes, bow to our faces to the ground, and we shouldn't have pews. So you shouldn't be sitting. So I want to be careful sometimes where we run with some of these thoughts. But it's, a, it's nothing wrong with standing when we read Scripture. However, I'm not sure if we can jump to a passage and mandate it that way. Speaking of running to passages, here's what we've been talking about. Is we are mandated by Scripture to become more like Jesus Christ. God has decreed that it happens. So he's working in our lives to help us to become more like Jesus day by day by day. And eventually we'll get there when we get to glory. We've been talking about this idea of becoming more like Christ in our personal walk, in our holiness. But that raises a whole bunch of questions that we still haven't even talked about. What kind of words should I be using? Is it okay to work on Sundays? Are there any jobs that are off limits for Christians? If I want to be like Jesus, these are things I need to be observing. How am I to work in my job? What kind of church should I worship? What kind of music should we be listening to? If I want to be like Jesus, be holy, well, then here's some more. What about my education of my kids? Where should I put them? Public, Christian, private, homeschool, uh, secular schooling? Is going to the beach wrong? Is hunting okay for believers. This is the right time. This, this, is this what the Lord would have us to do? Are there any God-given limits on what I wear or allow my kids to wear? Are, uh, what kind of hobbies are okay for Christians to enjoy? So we are talking about how do we flesh out, how do we live out our everyday Christianity? Theologically, you guys got it all covered. Okay, you're aware of those things. But what about counseling, Bible teaching, new Christians? And they ask some of these questions. Or baby Christians, they ask these questions. So the Bible gives us specific answers about some of the things that we mentioned. Uh, we've, we looked at passages that are talking about what kind of speech, and it's laid out what kind of speech we should have. Um, there's the idea of, okay, what kind of hobby should we be doing? There's some passages that are laying out some certain things we shouldn't do and should do. The pa- there are scriptures that talk about what we should be wearing as far as a general principle of morality and modesty in our, in our clothing. But there are many uh, of those things that I listed that we don't have a specific verse or application that talks about what about training, what about uh, what system of training for your children. Um, doesn't talk about specific things about, uh, it, it mentions hunting in the Old Testament, but when it brings to the New Testament, it doesn't talk about whether it's right or wrong for us to be doing. 
And so we look at principles that talk about uh, how do we prove this? How do we determine if something is right and wrong? We were sitting at this spot last week where we were looking at a lot of these passages and we said there are several questions that should be asked. And I want to repeat it one more time because if somebody didn't get these, I want to make sure you get them. These are principles you've got to be teaching your kids so they can make decisions. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the... Okay, and so we know that one's very simple. Will this bring glory to God? That's, that's a, an important question. First Thessalonians 5.22... Uh, abstain from all appearance of evil. So that's the one is, how does this look? How is this viewed by the, by general public? Okay, so we need to understand that. 5.16 in Matthew is the idea that you are the light of the, and the salt of the earth. Okay, so will this enhance your testimony before the, unlaw, uh, the unsaved? That's an important question we've got to be asking. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about your body. What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not of your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. That how will this affect my body? This uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I will not be brought under the power of anything after he makes all things, not all things are necessary in my life. So will this control me or will I be able to control it? And we've made observations that that's, that's hobbies. Some hobbies that can't be controlled, they may be, you may need to shelf them for a little while if they take you away from the Lord. Uh, Romans 14, 23 and 1 Corinthians 8. This is the passage about that we are not supposed to stumble our brethren. Okay, I will give up my meat, he says, uh, if it causes a younger Christian to struggle. So if it causes them to stumble into sin... Not the, we talked about that idea of their preferences, okay? If you prefer certain things. And I use silly illustrations of ties or no ties, colors of, of attire, things of that sort. That, that doesn't take anybody to sin, okay? So you have the liberties. And so we talked about how that would work out if somebody struggles with alcohol. I'm not taking them to a restaurant that, that is a half restaurant, half bar thing that could cause them to stumble. Uh, if somebody is struggling with TV and says that they've, they've put that out of their house for this period of time until they get control of it. If they come to my place, I'm not turning on my TV. I'm not going to put them in that spot. And so we've talked about those ideas. A couple more that we ended up with. Philippians 4.8 is whether there be virtue, whether they be praise. And it goes on and lists all these positive things. It says, think on these things. And so our question was simply, will this promote godly thoughts in your mind? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 12, talks about there are some things that people do that it is a shame for them to speak. John is, is talking about men love darkness rather than because their, e- their deeds are evil. So is this something I do before other believers? 1 Peter 2, 21. Jesus has given us an example that we would follow in his steps. Would Jesus do this or not? And then Ephesians 6, 1 was that youth, would you obey your parents? Now, we stop. I want to remind, our, remind everyone here. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Do you remember what moderation was? It was that attitude of pleasantness that you have, you have a, a decent um, reaction 
so that you're not one of the, you know, either grumpy or violently angry over things. And so is this something that I can do with pleasantness? Otherwise, does it get me too riled up? Uh, Romans 14.5 uh, is that idea, if you have doubts, then basically don't do it. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Uh, Ken, how was it? You, was it you that was telling me that in the restaurant business? Yeah, when in doubt, throw it out. Um, so you, that, that concept. Now, we had all of those ideas, and here's where we've talked about, and I want to get into Romans 14. It's really important because we've talked about that idea that not every believer is going to come to the same conclusions in applying what we just talked about, about some of those things not mentioned in Scripture. And the, the passages of the Bible make it very clear that even Jesus and John's disciples had different views of when to be fasting. They had different views of how they were going to interact. Jesus made that, that clear when he says, hey, somebody comes along and they pipe and they say dance. Somebody comes along and they, they, um, they are piping mournful tunes. And he says, you know, either one, you people are not accepting. And he's talking about him and John having a difference. Where John came with a message of just strong idea of putting off things and, and repentance. Jesus had repentance, but his message was he was engaging people more and more, where John was more the cleric, the monastic type of an individual. And so even they and their disciples had disagreements of what they should be doing at times, which was fine. Nothing wrong with that. And Romans chapter 14 talks about there is going to be differences, that there is the weaker, the stronger brethren. They have different points of views about certain days, certain meats, um, and even, even as we're going to talk about, it can go to clothing and different things of that sort. Romans chapter 14 specifically states that idea, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, we've talked about this, just to rehearse it, that, uh, that some might say, well, if we're all Christian, why is it we have different points of view about some of these things? We might have different points of view in this room about TV. We might have different points of view about card playing. We might have different points of view about um, uh, going, to a, going out to eat on a Sunday. Okay, going shopping on a Sunday. We might have a different point of view of um, colors of clothing. We might have different points of view about... Uh, you, you can put it out there. Okay, that might happen. Why would we have different points of view, but we're all saved? We all have the same Bible. Because we're all different. In what ways? How, what, what would contribute to the differences that were different? That, that would come to different conclusions? We come from different backgrounds. Okay? Do different cultures have different, different standards at times? They do. Do different areas of our country have different ideas? In the Midwest, they talk decent. Okay. They talk pop instead of soda. Okay. They, you know, they don't have scrapple. Okay. They, you know, they, we have those different things. And it doesn't make it right or wrong, but our experiences are different. Even this fact that uh, not only our cultural, but our family standards are different at times. What we've been trained to do. Yes, no? Some people have been trained and taught because they grew up in a home that, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. What's that? 
Oh, okay, let's talk about manners. Okay, that if there's, if there's not table manners, then that's, that's really horrible, horrible, horrible. You know, you're, and so others, they, they're, it's different. Oh, oh, I'll give you one that some, some families do not observe, Christian families do not observe uh, Christmas trees. Okay? <clears throat> First time we put one up in the church. Woohoo! Okay. Some, some folk, their training and their, their understanding for a couple generations might be, yeah, Christmas trees are condemned because J- Jeremiah 17 talks about cutting out, the, you know, the idea of people cutting down a tree and decorating the tree and how awful it is. And some take that passage and say, that's Christmas trees. Okay. By the way, what is that text talking about? It's not Christmas trees. It's talking about taking idols. But some read into that a Christmas tree, or maybe their preacher that they grew up said that it was wrong. Or have you ever heard somebody say to you, do you realize that December 25th is a pagan holiday and they celebrate it by worshiping Saturnalia and therefore we shouldn't have any association with December 25th for the birth of Christ because historically it comes out of a pagan holiday. Have you ever heard that? Okay. And so some Christians will respond and say, I'm not going to observe Christmas. Is that okay for them to do? Okay. Is it okay for others to observe Christmas? Okay. But all of a sudden... You have this situation where there's a different growing up and that poor person comes to our church. And they've been taught that observing Christmas is wrong. And they come on the weekend that we do the reenactment. And our auditorium's decorated. How are they going to view us? You pagan? <laughs> okay. Um, one, of, one, of my, uh, one of my children-in-law grew up in a home like that. Because they grew up in a church like that. And, and that's fine. Please, I'm not, I'm not condemning it. But they grew up in a church where the preacher was just, his personal conviction was that we don't celebrate Christmas, no Christmas trees, no decorations, no gift giving. That was his personal standard. But he made it part of the church standard. So this child-in-law grew up into that environment, and that child-in-law came and visited us as a family before they got married. Um, we are big in our house on Christmas. She does this thing called the 25 Days of Christmas where there's Bible verses and a gift every day leading up to it. And then we do the Christmas reenactment. Then we do the Berg Bowl now. B-U-R-R. This would be a good weekend to do it. Where we do all kinds of family contests and we give out a trophy and all that. So in our house, Christmas is a big thing. That poor... That poor time that, that that person came and visited, they were like in shock, total shock. It wasn't just bad enough that we were doing that, but you're a preacher and you're doing Christmas. Do I understand where, he's, where, where that child-in-law is coming from? Absolutely, and I understand that that's what they were taught. And, that's, you know, that, and so that was a difficulty. So family standards, growing up, that can happen. Um, even, and I told you that, that my, my silly illustrations that for me when I first got saved, because of where I was as a, as a youngster, foosball was associated with a bar. That's all where I, the only place I played it was in a bar. And for playing for foosball, it's just like, 
the association was tough for me when I first got saved. And so after you grow a period of time and all of a sudden, you know, that changes and the church now has three foosball tables, um, you know, we have those differences. And that's okay, okay, as we recognize that, hey, the Bible says there's going to be some of us that have those differences, strong, weak saints, and we don't want to cause somebody. My question is, how do we respond Okay, let me, let me give you just some real, because this is important, because we do have some differences. Except the fact that this happens in Christianity. It, it, it's, a part of, it's a part of Christianity that when it comes to some questionable activity that are not mentioned, that aren't moral or doctrinal, God says we have liberty to have differences. We have liberty. That doesn't mean I should impose them on you and vice versa. We have liberty. Now, what do we do with that? You know, we understand that not everything is black and white. There's a whole lot of gray in our everyday life. Now, some people want to live black and white. Some want to have it, you know, it is, um, it is wrong to go to a store on Sunday. Now, years ago, you understand that. word. Why? There was no opportunity. Okay. Stores were closed. And all of a sudden, when stores started opening up, what did churches do? It's, it's, yeah. Can you imagine why it happened in American culture that it became an issue? Stores were closed. All of a sudden, on Sunday, stores are opening. What did preachers automatically say about it? It was wrong because... Today, hey, we're supposed to be in church, not, you know, not at the mall on Sunday. And so it became a cultural conversation through most churches that Sunday shopping is wrong. Well, over a period of time, what happens? <laughs> Everything is open. Everything is open. And some of those people who were worshiping, what were they doing right after the service? In fact, what were they doing during church? Getting their reservations made out for lunch, you know. And so after a period of time, it came, people got used to it. But did some people hang on to it? And that's fine. And, and if they hold to that, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and so not everything is black and white. But again, if you're, when you're teaching this principle to your kids, reiterate this. We're not talking about some things like sexual morality. Sexual morality is clear in the scriptures. Premarital sex is wrong. You're supposed to say, amen. Okay, that's... Uh, adultery is wrong. Okay? That, there are certain things that, that aren't up for discussion, even though there's differences in desires. Morality is Morality. It's not what our culture is saying to us today. Anything goes, whatever you feel like. Okay, uh, baptism is not a questionable option. Okay, I feel like it, I don't feel like it. It's a command in Scripture. You don't, that's not what we're talking about, that I have the liberty to be obedient or not. Um, church or no church. I have the liberty to choose. But, if, but the Word of God is very clear about how it is necessary to be in church to be engaged, to use your gifts. 
We're not talking about that stuff, okay? We're talking about those areas that are what you and I would throw in this big bucket called personal liberty. Other believers may have differences, and so we understand this is a reality. The big question I have for us is how do we respond to those who have differences in this area? The reason that I think this is so important, when my kids were growing up in my home, they would sometimes come home and they say, would you believe it? Such and such a family, they do... Okay? I'll I'll use an illustration. Um, What's that? Elf on a shelf? Is that what you said? What's an elf on a shelf? Okay. Oh, and they hide? They shoot elves in Texas? Is that... <laughs> okay, hey, that, that, I'm gonna, that, let me run with that. Okay, let me... I, I appreciate you. Not the elf. Let me take the big elf. Um, my kids come home and they'd say, oh, so-and-so believes in Santa Claus. Okay. Is that the elf on the shelf? No. Okay. This is Santa in the chimney. Okay. I know why you don't have elves on the shelf. Okay. No, you just don't have fireplaces there in Texas. So that's, yeah. You don't need that. <laughs> okay. So my kids would come home and they'd say, so-and-so, they, their mom and dad told them there's a Santa Claus. We never told our kids that. We told them it was a make-believe thing like other things. And this was our choice that we said it's make-believe. Because I didn't want them to say after a period of time, if we tell them for years there's a Santa and Santa, and all of a sudden there's no Santa, well, there's a Jesus, Jesus, and all of a sudden. So we we, uh, just would say it's a fun thing. But we would tell our kids, you don't have to create revival in everybody's home by, you know, you know, telling those poor kids, you know. And so how do we respond to that situation? An elf on a shelf, a Santa in the chimney. How do we respond if somebody, you know, says, they go out to eat for dinner on a Sunday. Okay. So we had to teach our kids these principles. How, and that was, that's tough. It takes a long time. Romans chapter 14. He's dealing with, you have liberty. We've already said that in verse 5. Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. But catch the, what he's going to talk to us about. What about our differences? He that is weak, I'm in verse 1. He that is weak in the faith receive, but not to doubt food disputations. For one believes that he may eat all things. Another who is weak, he eats only herbs. Let not one that eats despise him that eats not, and let not him that eats not judge him that eats. For, I said that wrong, that eats not judge him that eats. For God hath received him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, who shall be holden up? For God is able to make him to stand. One man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded. He that regards the day regards it to the Lord, and he that regards not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord, for he eats, he gives God thanks. And he that eats not to the Lord, he eats not and gives. Read that really fast, okay? That's going back. For, and you understand what he's talking about. Eating the meat and the, and the vegetables, what, why was that an issue? 
Yeah, you're, you're talking about the temple. They sold the meat uh, out, of the, out of some of the temple offerings, and so some felt it was just wrong. And they opted to go to vegetarianism rather than to eat any meat that had any, that were sold by the temple marketplace. The idea of a steaming day is the Jews would recognize certain holy days, feast days, even some of the believers. Paul did that. Paul recognized a Jewish Jewish uh, vow in the book of Acts. He shaved his hair when he made that vow. Part of that was his cultural heritage. And so some would esteem days, some wouldn't, wouldn't esteem days. In modern days, some people would observe Christmas, some wouldn't observe Christmas. Uh, modern days, all these different things were talking of personal liberty. How do we respond to one another? According to the first phrase in Romans 14, verse, verse 1, what does he say we're supposed to do? The first command in Romans 14.1. Okay, receive him. Okay, that idea is not to avoid, not to separate from. <gasps> oh, oh no. Okay, you watch sports on Sunday. I assume you still do. You, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I was just going to pretend I don't. Okay, I don't on Sundays. Therefore, <gasps> how do you... Watch sports on Sunday. Should I avoid him? Should I avoid him? <laughs> Not while he's watching sports. Should I avoid talking to him because we have a disagreement? No. I should just avoid you because you cheer for the Giants. That's what, you know. Okay. You still cheering for him? Okay. Um, the second part of verse 1. Second part of verse, uh, verse 1. What else we, what are we supposed to do? Not to doubt food disputations. What are we spo- not supposed to engage in? What's that? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Okay, don't make this a debate. Don't make this... This was, you know, can, can I bring a modern-day illustration that without getting your goat? Please, don't react to me on this. Just listen through. Wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. Yes, no? What if somebody... This is me. I'm, I'm, I, I'll bear my soul. Um... When I go, we, we were in Williamsburg this, this uh, I was going to say spring, this fall. We went down for two days. And there's people wearing masks outdoors. There's nobody nearby. My initial thought is always, what's, what's wrong with you? Not, not physically up here. That's my thought. And I have to keep on stopping and saying, I don't know if there's something wrong with them physically and stop judging people now none of you probably do that okay but it's just a constant with with the masking is i jump to quick conclusions okay why might somebody legitimately wear a mask they they might have a health issue we have some people that come to our Bible study that don't come to the worship service because of the amount of people, but they come to the Wednesday Bible study and they wear a mask. Legitimately so, because their family member is undergoing um, chemo and what happens to the immune system. And so they're being very cautious. You know, I, I, I don't need to make it a debate with them. I don't need to make it a, uh, an issue. If they choose to wear it, that's their personal liberty. 
Okay, so that's you know sometimes it's like and and this is me. None of you would probably struggle with this, but I got to keep on slapping my mouth and saying, "Don't say, how dumb are you?" Okay, you're riding in a car with nobody else and you're wearing a mask. Okay, stop, just stop. Okay, again, none of you ever struggle with those things. Okay, but verse three, he goes on and he says. Let him that eats despise not him that eats not. Do you know what the word despise means? Okay, hate. Is that? Do you have? Do you have hate down? Uh, written in? Look down upon. Okay, it's that idea of critically judge. Just what I said. I struggle with when it comes to looking at people masked. Okay, um, and Terry, you were just sharing that on your trip. They advised you, and. Quite a few people had gotten sick afterwards, he said. Yeah. Um, but to despise is, is, you know, that idea is to judge people quickly and be careful. Verse, uh, verse 13, if we jump down a little bit further, verse 13, starting with the, verse, the part, first part of verse. Let us not therefore judge one. He is going to say this several times to the church. Stop judging. What does that tell you? What does that say about the church in Rome? It was a problem. They were leaning that way. And I can relate to it because I still do this in certain issues. And then in verse, the, the second pass of the verse, judge this rather that nobody put a stumbling block. So the idea is, okay, don't flaunt my liberty, okay, you know, that it will cause another to stumble in that sense, literally fall in the faith. Verse 15 tells us this in the same text. If your brother be grieved with your meat, walk charitably. Destroy not him with your meat. That idea, be willing to quickly give up your right. Paul does this in 2 Corinthians. Paul in the church, and we'll talk about it tonight. In 2 Corinthians, one of the issues is they were starting to reject the faith that Paul taught because Paul's practices were coming under such uh, criticism that people were responding not to his, they were responding to him personally by rejecting what he was teaching. Does that make sense? Because the false teachers in the church were so attacking Paul that by his person, by his conduct, that they were able then, they had a, they had a weaseling in, that they were able then to draw people away from the teachings that Paul was giving. It's a shame that that happens. But it was happening. And one of the things that they really got the people wound up about in second, in, during the time of 1 Corinthians is Paul had asked for gifts for financial help to the other believers. Well, right away, those false teachers blamed Paul for being what? A money-hungry man, a, um, a huckster. And so Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians, and as he's going through 2 Corinthians, he's saying, hey, listen, just to show you that, hey, I, this isn't about money. This is about biblical principle. When I come, don't, don't give me any money. Don't pay me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to refuse any monetary gift you give me. But then he does teach that the laborer is worthy of his hire. But he's going to say, hey, just to put this to rest, that some of you are claiming that I'm a, a money-hungry preacher. I don't want your money. 
Did he have the right for them to financially support him? He did, but what did he do? He gave up his right if it was going to cause a division. Make sense? Okay, and so this is, this is where I battle because as an American, what do we always talk about? Well, not money, but I mean, when it comes to choosing. My rights. Are we supposed to give up my rights at times? For the sake of what? For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Okay, we give up the rights. And that's tough. That is really tough to do. Uh, if it, you know, I'm using my, I'll, I'll go back to that silly illustration. Um, for me, it was a struggle. Wear a mask, not wear a mask. But for me, some people said, you know, if you want to come and visit me in my home, I want you to wear a mask. Based on this passage, what should I be willing to do? Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Even though I don't like it, it's, you know, that was the appropriate thing to do to minister to those individuals. And so that gets tough at times when we do this. What is to be the pervasive attitude or goal when it comes to receiving people who have differences, not tearing them down, not mocking them? What's to be our, what's our pervasive attitude to be? What's that? Accepting? Um, just like he did in that first verse. What's our goal in making sure that by we accepting one another? What are we trying to do as a body? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that idea, is have unity and peace between us because we're not supposed to be fighting one another. We're supposed to be fighting for souls of men. And so we can understand that there's differences. Now, the reason I'm belaboring this, are there some churches, are there some denominations that allow no liberty? That you toe the line when it comes to attire. Yes? And I'm, I'm not talking, uh, I'm, I'm talking even, even churches like ours. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a church down the road that as of, as of the last time I had communication with that church about three years ago, if you came into the church ladies and you were in slacks, they had dresses hanging for you to change into before you could come in the auditorium. Is that okay for them to have that standard? It's an independent church, folk. If they choose that, I wouldn't go to the church. If I walked in with my wife, and she wears slacks sometimes, uh, typically not on a Sunday, I, I wouldn't stay. That would just turn me off. Okay, But at the same time, if they choose to do that, Right? But I think they hinder the gospel. And so, you know, in that all in all, we're just saying, okay, let's not fight about something like that. Let's fight for the souls of men. Let's try to get that gospel out. And so we want to be careful in that regard. Um, do we have the right? You're talking with your kids. And again, I'm rehearsing things that a lot of you know already, but it's, it's good. I used to get this from my kids is we have certain standards for our home, things like that, and their comments might be, yeah, but if we have these standards, doesn't that become legalism? Aren't you a legalist once you, with standards? Because in our society, is there a tendency towards, if there's rules, you're oppressive? 
Does that happen at times? Especially in churches. People do this all the time. In a church, if a church has a standard for attire, when it comes to speaking, when it comes to, say, our music presentation, and we have some type of a dress standard, people will often say that's legalism. A bank may have a standard for its employees who are tellers. That's not legalism. That's, yeah, that's business, okay? Um, do, do any of your businesses have standards for when you go and deal with the customers? You have to be, a, okay? Uh, your son works up at Hershey. Does Hershey Park have standards for what they can wear? That's legalism, okay? Why, why does Hershey Park have standards for the teens for what they can wear if they're working? One, you can identify them if they have it. Safety? What's that? Proper attire, because if something gets caught, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, Danny. That's a good point. Um, It could be a standard just to say, hey, if you don't have any standard, okay, and could it become a bad situation? So... You and I are going to respond by saying, hey, wait a minute, let's just, in an adult fashion, but we have to, we have to train our kids this way. We need to, under, need to respond by saying, one, setting standards is biblical. Did God set standards for mankind? What, what was some of the very first standards that everybody knows about? The ten, they're not called the ten ideas, okay? The ten, think about this, what are they called? And everybody, the law, yeah, the, yeah, in fact, he calls it the whole, where he says everything is called the law, okay, which implies. And when Jesus talks to his disciples, did he set standards for us in the Sermon on the Mount? What we say, how we respond to situations. So God has standards. We understand that. He has standards for all kinds of things, how you're supposed to work, how you're supposed to handle your money, things like that. Setting standards is purely logical. Right? Let, let, let's take society. What if there are no rules for driving? So you, you think some people drive that way already. Yes? Okay. What if there's no rules for... Let's, let's, uh, the sport right now that's most popular is football. What if there's no rules? In fact, if you go back years ago, when they had few rules, what happened? I'm talking the 1920s. There were, what? Yeah, pre, um, President Teddy Roosevelt called in all the university presidents one time because of the number of deaths that were occurring in football games. And he called all the university presidents and said, we've got to get something, some type of criteria here. And so setting standards, what, what if in the parking lot you can park however you want? There's no lines. Okay, right? Yeah, chaos. And so... At shopping, you go shopping, there's no rules. There, you just pay any way you want, wherever you want. So it wouldn't bother me one bit because I don't want to be shopping because I, I, I do not love it. Stop. Okay. My liberty is not to go shopping. <laughs> okay, don't you, don't you hang me here. <laughs> Stop what? Are you serious? 
Yeah. Was that was that being done just recently in a major store? You can paying online while you're shop while you're shopping. Duh. Yeah. Wow. How stupid, right? And why did they why did they have to have a standard of you go through the doors you go through here? Because safety for the company. Yeah, right back. Um, setting standards is not legalism. Tell me, because you've got to talk to your kids. Tell me what is legalism. If it's not setting standards, what is legalism? Forcing your standard on others. We force a dress standard here on those who want to be a part of some ministries. So we're legalistic by forcing the dress standard. Okay, 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 okay. I, I, think you're, I, I think there has to be more to your definition, therefore. Okay. Okay, somebody who's, who's speaking up. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're adding not just a standard of... Having standards is not equated to legalism because, again, setting a standard and having rules doesn't mean... You're wrong. You're preventing chaos. You're doing safety. Um, and not everybody who sets a rule is a legalist because legalism and the human attempt to follow or impose man-made standards for the express purpose of making ourselves more acceptable unto God. Legalism has to do with spirituality. Okay? Claiming that if you... If, here's, here's legalism. We have some standards for those who sing in choir. Okay? Modesty standards. We put them there. And we say, okay, here's some, some standard to observe. And if you observe this standard, you are godly. What did we just become? That's legalism. We add to the standard, you become godly. You get saved or you maintain your walk with the Lord. And so Bible Day legalists say, follow my standards for you. Uh, follow my standards for you and you will get closer to God. That's legalism. Okay. Now, in my kids' response to this, well, Dad, you're telling us to follow your standards or we're disobeying God, so you're a legalist. Where's the difference there? Julie? That's it. Because, because this differs because of the Ephesians 6.1 passage. That differs. Because right now, where you're at in your life, you've got to obey me. And with those conversations, that was the type of conversation that led into when you have your own home, you can set your standard. In fact, you might have a standard for me when I come and visit. And I'm going to say, you're legalist. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But it was that type of thought. Those who don't follow my standards, you know, then they're going to be judged by God. They're condemned. That's legalism. So, um, if we said everybody needs to have, all the men need to have a tuft, okay? <laughs> Jeff, you can't, okay? <laughs> You're going to hell, buddy. <laughs> That's legalism. That, that, that's the silly. But does that happen in churches? 
does it happen in our area? If you don't wear the certain color of clothing I choose for you, you aren't getting to heaven. Is that, does that get taught in our region? If you don't wear, and by the, they can wear a prayer bonnet. I don't care if somebody wears a prayer bonnet. But when it comes down to your prayer bonnet has to be, you know, um, Earl, do I remember right that some churches have the size of the prayer bonnet as well? That is stated. The, the, the type. I'm getting, getting you and Rose in a conference here. Sorry about that. Um, I've had people visit that said, you know, the length of the sleeve was important. The run in the lie, the, not the run. The seam in the nylon was dictated. Otherwise, this doesn't make you spiritual. That's where we're getting into legalism. Does that make sense? Now we get into this, uh, this final one, uh, just this thought. If we want real freedom, we have to have some standards. Because then we can enjoy the parking lot in freedom because we have some standards. Then we can enjoy shopping in freedom because we don't have fear of things. Then we can enjoy you know, the sports game because there's real freedom by f- having some type of set standards for it. So it's liber- setting standards is not the issue. Where I want to get to is I want to get to next week is um, jump out of this area of, of holiness and jump into some other aspect of Christ's life, his compassion. Let's pick up with that next Sunday, okay? Thanks so much for listening. I'm sorry that some of you were rehashing such familiar uh, information, but it's just good to rehearse every so often. Thanks.